talk about the World Baseball Classic. We're powered by excessive caffeine right now because yes, we may be running on fumes after a couple quarters, a couple semis, getting ready for the championship. Wouldn't have it any other way. New episode of the Just Baseball Show coming out on Tuesday, March 21st in the afternoon. This has been a whirlwind of all whirlwinds. We started going to these WBC games, what, on, on Friday night, right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and now we've got Tuesday. I, I don't even know the first day I did. Dude. I don't, I, I don't remember. Like, I mean, I, legit, I can't take it under my head. We're, we're working on phasing that out of the podcast. But if you pressed me on it, I, I really wouldn't be able to tell you what day. It's been that much of a blur, but like in the best way possible. Yeah, like the non-baseball stuff is all just stringing together, and I don't really remember much of that. I just know like each game that we saw has has elevated and elevated and elevated. Yeah. It's It's been so ridiculously unique to be at this tournament. It's almost like if you combine the World Series and the All-Star Games and put them together mm-hmm. and create a tournament because it is... Where shit matters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like if they played a seven-game All-Star Game type series where every game matters, not only in terms of, I guess, an MLB type focus, but a world focus. Yeah. And I think that's what makes this tournament so unique and just so exciting. Every single game... Even in a route, Cuba versus the United States, we talked about on the last episode. Political stuff, yeah. just the crowd atmosphere. Every game has its own story, and it's been awesome. So here are the games that we've been at so far, and, and we will preview the U.S. and Japan in the WBC Championship. But when you look at days in a row that we have been at baseball, um, there was one break when Japan beat Italy in the quarters. Mm-hmm. But... On that Thursday night, Aram, you were at the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. That fan experience, unmatched. That was one of the craziest environments ever. Because you have, like, the rivalry built in. It's like a yeah. friendly rivalry. Yeah. It yes. wasn't contentious, but it was like this, like, like we're both nasty at baseball. Tons and we of want, respect yeah. for yeah. each other. And, and it was really cool because you had this, like... You had the. It wasn't Yankees Red Sox even, no. where, where it's like there was more as much passion, probably more passion, but not as much butting heads. It was just yeah. this mutual respect, which was really cool. But both teams wanted it so bad that was a really cool appetizer to now what we've had here because the stakes are higher. Yeah, I could not imagine though, and this is why I'm excited for the the future WBCs is we're gonna get different iterations of these matchups, right? And like. I could not imagine a Dominican Republic versus Puerto Rico like semifinal. Yeah. Like I think the Marlins Park, Lone Depot Park would actually burn down. Right. But that was the that was the best appetizer because right when I, that game happened, I texted you guys immediately because you were coming down not long after that. And I was like, right. This is about to be like legitimately a I hate saying a movie, but like it's literally going to be a movie. <laughs> no, like man, this could be a movie. Sometimes this, yeah, this it, sometimes it's valid. Um, <laughs> and and this was one of those where I was like, holy crap, it's a party. And it's a party. Yeah. 
so we do that. We have an off day. We watch the first day of the NCAA tournament. Excellent. Yada, yada. Then we go Puerto Rico and Mexico. And I think you and I were both just in shock at how good the environment was. Like, wow, arm wasn't blowing smoke. Not even a little bit. And <laughs> yeah. I, I wish we were there for the DR Puerto Rico game because of that rivalry. But we're almost seeing new-ish rivalries form in the terms of what the atmosphere feels like. Like even a Team Mexico facing off against uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah. It felt like Game 7 of the World Series with with a Yankees versus Mets or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like that's what it felt like. And that's just a quarterfinal game. And then we move to the semifinals Every single game feels like Game 7 of the World Series because it is win or go home. Right. And then we had the U.S. and Venezuela, and that was as good as baseball gets. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's where Peter was, like, legitimately just trying so hard to, like, think of any game that could possibly be better that we've existed in. And I don't think there is one, and I agree with that. I I, I really can't think of of anything better uh, in terms of what we've taken in. And then also... And this is something that I just wanted to mention, not to like kind of send us on a different path, but before I forget, because I think this is really important, is what this event does for baseball in other countries. Yeah. I don't know if it has as much of an impact in the U.S. I do think it's a good way to get some younger fans interested. I think it's a good way to get some fans to consume baseball. But I'm thinking about it and what this could have done for Mexico. Every eight-year-old in Mexico wants to do the arms crossed Randy Rosarena Correct. Thing right now. And, and and hearing you know what what his, their manager is saying about what he thinks the gravity could be of this run for baseball in Mexico, how big it can be. Because there's been great players that have come out of Mexico, but it's never been on the same level as Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Cuba, all these, even Venezuela, right? So to see that and see what it's going to mean, you know, now, now four years from now, I think for the worldwide scope of baseball, that's the coolest part. Because you're going to get that Cinderella story. And Mexico, you, you called them to, to win it. That was your pick. But based on the value, yeah. it was somewhat of a Cinderella story. Nobody really thought that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, plus 1,800 for Mexico. They made it to the yeah. semifinal game. They were winning. They won that game through nine innings. No, but did. all it took <laughs> was the bottom of the they ninth inning. They needed to close it out. They were winning 3-0. Right. to zero, Then yeah. it was a there tie game. Outs. Then they took the lead. But then when you have Otani Yoshida yeah. and Murakami, it ended up being over. But one thing that I wanted to touch about growing the game, the younger audiences... We see those directly reflected in social media numbers, right? You see an Aaron Judge home run when he hit his 62nd, got around 3 million impressions on Twitter. Bryce Harper's home run to basically win them the World Series, that was around 3.5 million. Or to send them to the World Series. Send them to the World Series, excuse me, against the Padres. Yoshida's home run and Murakami's walk-off were around 8 to 10 million in terms of impressions. And that not only reflects the younger audience, but it shows the worldwide impact of this tournament. Did you see what Murakami's walk-off double did in terms of views? Almost 10 million. 11 in an hour. Yeah. 11 million views in an hour. Can you put in perspective for maybe some of the listeners that don't bet? Uh, what? How much of a long shot Mexico was in comparison? It, it could just be loose. Yeah, I know it's not all in front of you, but like just in comparison, when you were looking at the values, because uh, you like Team Mexico, but if they were plus eight hundred, you're not taking. I them. wouldn't have taken. Can them you anymore. can you kind of contextualize how much of a long shot they were? Because I, I really think we look at the team like, oh, that's a good team. Whatever, it is a good team. Yeah, but I don't think people realize going into this tournament, and I didn't even fully realize it until the post game presser, where Mexico's manager saying, "Of course, we're disappointed we didn't win," but like. 
man, this was a win for us. So this was a win for baseball. Like no one thought we'd go this far. Can you kind of put it in perspective of what the long shot odds were for that? Absolutely. So Team USA was the was the second favorite going in. The Dominican Republic was the favorite at around plus 220. Then the United States came in at second at plus 250. Japan came in at at plus 300. Mexico was plus 1800. They were behind teams like Cuba. They were behind teams like Korea. They were around the same value as teams like Canada. So to make a run like that was incredible. That's why we heard it from their manager saying, we lost today, but baseball won. And especially that point makes so much sense in Mexico because Mexico wasn't expected to be here. They were plus 450 to win pool C while the United States was minus 420. So to put it in you know, a blank dollar amount, if you bet $420 on the USA to win pool C, you would have netted $100. Yeah. If you bet $100 on Team Mexico, to win just their pool, you would win four hundred and fifty dollars. So that shows the value and how much of the gap was perceived by Vegas. But of the last three teams, Mexico was one of them. So Vegas doesn't unbelievable measure run. They don't. They don't measure big game Randy. They don't they know don't. how to quantify that. It, well, hold on. <laughs> so big game Randy, I I want to spend some time talking about him real quick. Big game Randy was a thing. In the postseason, right? Like every Tampa Bay Rays fan, I think every baseball fan that follows Major League Baseball knew who Randy Orozarena was because he was just so ridiculously crazy in the postseason. Okay, clutch performer at the Major League level. I think we had a feeling that he was going to have a really good WBC. And we've, you know, we've been talking about that. We've documented it on this show several times over the last couple of weeks. I... Somehow, this is like the LeBron SI cover prophecy. Like, we label <laughs> Randy Arozarena as the tournament guy, as the big moment guy. And this dude just keeps surpassing our expectations, like, tournament by tournament. If the Rays somehow sneak themselves into the postseason this year, and I think they probably will get into the postseason as a wild card team, like, Randy may hit 800 in the postseason. This is who he is, and we have to acknowledge that. If you just watched baseball, if you are a quote-unquote casual, if you just watched baseball on Fox, right? If you just watched the WBC, the postseason. Which is awesome. You we th- love those people. We love those people. Randy Orozarena, you probably think, is a $300 million guy. Yes. Like, oh, or, yeah, or, so Trout's 400 What's Randy Orozarena getting? <laughs> right. 31 postseason games. That's not including what he did in the WBC where he had at, at least... Where he's hitting 500. Yeah, before his walk, <laughs> he had a 14-something OPS. Something. So that just puts it in perspective, which is actually better than these numbers. So this would actually bump his numbers up. 31 postseason games. That's a large sample size here. 120 plate appearances. He's a 203 WRC+. <laughs> so that means he's 103% better than league average. 333, 417, 705 slash line, 11 home runs in 31 games. You know what he did? He became a one-name guy. Randy. When you refer to yes. Randy, yeah. you know it's Randy Rosarena. If you're because Randy haters. Johnson is the big unit. Yeah. Right. But Randy, when you say the word Randy, I think everyone now knows we're speaking about Randy Rosarena. That, big game Randy. That dude is drippy as fuck, too. Oh, Pitching dude, change best. after he robbed a homer, he's signing autographs down the left field line. Did you see him pregame? He has on the, the sombrero, sombrero and, and the cowboy and boots. Cowboy boots. 
It, and they made a funny joke. It was like, do you think Randy's nervous out there? <laughs> absolutely. Like, absolutely. Not even one percent. And that's the other funny thing is like defensively, he's gotten some shit for his defense. Absolutely. He's worked hard. He got a lot better last year. I'll give him props for that. But he's gotten shit for his defense. That's why you look at F4. He's never been above a, a three and change win player. He's making plays. And it's not just like, oh, he, he got a bad read and then laid out and bailed himself out. It's like, He's timing up jumps at the wall. He's getting jumps on balls at, on, in the gap. Like he's making plays, and and it's just remarkable to me. Like I, I do wonder if if we kind of what we're knocking Javi Baez for of being like a bad player, and then we focus as he's good. Like Randy's good all all the time, but it seems like he's just great when he locks in a little bit more. I yeah. wonder if there's like a version of Randy that could sustain this for even eighty games. If he does this for eighty games of the big yeah. league season. He's a top 15 player in baseball. Yeah. Like, it's gotten to the point where I am wondering, like, how it's so different because... Well, it's buy-in, right? It's, it's buy-in. Because now we're talking about, like, a 40 to 45 game sample here of him just dominating on the big stage. Like, I, I just wonder if, if maybe this will be the time where he kind of segues that into a big full season. And I, I maybe not. Maybe he's always a three and a half win player. That's great. That's, That's fine. a good player. That's a good player. Yeah, it's not a bad player. Yeah. But you know, we talked about it. Like most guys that have good postseasons are just good players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare to see this kind of escalation yeah. from your baseline. I'm here for it. It's awesome. If if he becomes a three and a half win player and then the best player on earth in the postseason and just defies all you know that, that, norms from that, that's, that's fine. Hundred million dollar player. Like, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I want to. I, it just would almost calm my nerves. If he like is the breakout player of the year this year. <laughs> yes, agreed. Um, here's a take for you. Fanatics usually puts out like annual best-selling jerseys in the NFL and NBA. I think they do it for Major League Baseball as well. And I think Judge was number one last year. Otani might have been one and Judge might have been two. Take now. Randy Arozarena will be a top 10 selling Ooh, I like jersey that. I like in Major that. League Baseball this year. And I love that he's a Ray. Because we talk about like marketing for... You know, small teams and, and like the WBC for Need Miami it. is great. There's a reason they have it here because of the location. But I also think a big part of it is that Rob Manfred wants to see baseball improve here in terms of you know viewership, in terms of people going to the stadium because it's better for Major League Baseball when your weakest link or one of your weakest links yes. is not as weak. Well, yeah. and you also think about the best thing that a small market team can do for their brand recognition. The best thing that Miami can do for their brand recognition is have Jazz Chisholm be really good. Yeah. The yeah. best thing that Tampa can do for their brand recognition is have Wander Franco be really good and Randy keep on Randy doing what he's good. doing. And I think that, that we talked about like extending Randy. Yeah. Like I, I do wonder. It's don't it, do it now. You no. almost have to put fifty million dollars on just in case he makes. That's the what I'm saying. Because like, he's right. like a fifty million dollar right, player exactly. in the postseason. But the problem is the Rays are like the one word that's Who not going to do about that. that. Yeah. Like, no, like, like, our models say that he is worth this, yeah. and that is it. That's why Randy is the perfect New York Met. <laughs> that's know, why. I that's I mean. what everyone's already saying. <laughs> I want. I want to freak out about that. But like, it, it is awesome. It's great for baseball as long as he's a Ray. It is great news because it's just another yeah. face over there. And if Wander's bowling out, if Glass now hopefully he's healthy, Brandon is Lau pitching, comes back. He, like, not only is that team good, like Brandon Lau's awesome. It's just boring. Yeah, like this team has some marketable guys, Absolutely. which is which is really fun. McClanahan's so, marketable. Mark well. McClanahan's yeah. marketable. Like you can watch that guy throw all day long. I'm 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 excited to see what the Rays look like this year. I know you're excited about their roster. We talked about that in the AL East preview, no doubt. Uh, but I'm excited about the marketability of this team too because they've had so many just boring platoon guys. Yeah. It's always just been like the 
piece it together. Absolutely. Now they got some marketable dudes. Let's see how they do. For sure. Uh, all right. Tell me about Shota Imanaga, Peter. What did you just watch? Uh, so I've been watching video all morning on this guy. And he, you know, I don't have any back-end data on him. I couldn't really find much. But what I did find is video. And what I was watching was a guy who utilizes a fastball a ton. I was watching a condensed game where he faced Chinese Taipei and struck out 12 guys mostly pitching with the fastball. I saw some variations of breaking balls, probably a slider, maybe a curveball, maybe some sort of changeup splitter. He looks like a good pitcher, but I'm afraid that he is going to go against a Team USA lineup, starting with righties and Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, maybe the four best hitters against lefties on planet Earth. And he's only thrown four innings in the WBC so far. Um, a couple innings against Korea and Italy. He's given up one earned run, struck out five. This is his first ever World Baseball Classic start. His fastball, it looks good. It has some ride to it. But I'm just afraid that a guy who relies on a fastball to get strikeouts against a team like Chinese Taipei, he's not striking out Paul Goldschmidt, Mike Trout, these guys, it's right? Be interesting. So while he does look like an exciting young pitcher, he's been great in the MPB. He was a first rounder. He's led his team to championships. But in this format against these Team USA hitters, I just can't see him being very successful. So I, I, I want to I'll follow up on that. I also found it interesting that Hideki Kuriyama, their manager, just... And, and there was a language barrier. There was, there was we had a translator in, in the post game presser. So, but there was I was still able to kind of get most of it through the translator. They were very noncommittal about the the pitching situation. Um, and it was funny because in the presser he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll know more tomorrow on, on specifically on Shohei. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the presser's over. Uh, a couple players come in after the manager, so maybe 30, 45 minutes pass. And then one of the one of the main PR guys for MLB says. Okay, the guy that's pitching today is who you just broke down. So I, it was interesting how like it came like that. So what, what that kind of told me is that was probably always the plan, but they don't know what the deal is with with Otani, and, and that's where it's going to be interesting to see how how much do they use Otani or Otani's going to or Darvish. It, the thing is, is, I saw Otani out on the field. You've never seen an Otani that emotional. You've never seen an Otani that emotional. I feel like he's going to say, I want to pitch. Right, it I'm has gonna, to happen. He already hit 102. He's never hit 102 I think before. we're going to see Otani and Darvish in this game. But just in terms of the starter yeah. and why I think it's so important, is it that first inning is so important. Yeah. The four righties lead it off. So, and you might get Kyle Tucker hitting fifth, who can also crush lefties. It's just a guy who relies no, on fastball that they, much. I just don't know how he's going to perform. Who'd they go with last time? It was uh, Alonzo. It could be Schwarber Alonso. was in the outfield. Like, yeah. I would just... Against a lefty, like have Schwarber be a pinch hitter. Have Kyle Tucker in the outfield, who yeah, is obviously an exponentially better defensive outfielder. And Tucker is kicking ass in the World Baseball oh, Classic. He's great. on fire. And, and just, defense is going to matter in this game. Oh, yeah. it, right. it, you know, you're thinking about mashing in the other games because it was like it was a slugfest. We we're talking about it um, yesterday, how that was kind of the first fundamental game where yeah. like moving the runners mattered. Like all of the little things. Bunts. Two strike yeah, two bunt. strike bunts. Oh like, all of these little things were more important. Whereas I think the you know Venezuela game against the US and, and a lot of the other games were just like slug Trying to outslug yeah. each other. Yeah. Exactly. But a little bit more to, to, to reinforce your point on Shoda. Uh, it's Imanaga. Shoda Imanaga. I'm, I'm so bad with, with the international. I gotta get better with the international names. I gotta right. we'll it. work on it. Yeah we'll work <laughs> on it. I'll get, I, I gotta work on it. But fastball 
54% of the time. Yeah, and it's 92. And then, and then 14% of the time, he's, he's throwing a cutter. Then he mixes in the splitter at 12%, curveball at 10%, another ch- variation of a changeup at 5%, and a slider at 5%. What's interesting, and I think this is maybe what their manager's looking at, reverse splits guy Ooh. in the NPB. But that's... That's the NPB. It's the MPB. That's the and MPB. And it's not Mike Trout, Mookie Betts. Correct. No. Like, do you want to hear Paul Goldschmidt splits against lefties? Dude had a 1,300 OPS against yeah, lefties last year. Right. Slash 411, so, 515. It's just... It's, so what I think he's going to try and do here, though, is, is the riding fastball, cutter in on righties, yeah. and then the splitter. If he is perfect, yeah. it could work. And I think that's what Japan's looking at here. It's like... Yeah. If we're gonna win this, we got. He's got to be perfect. They needed to get here, but and, and they also, to get here. another interesting storyline. It's his first World Baseball Classic start, so it's not that he has experience, you know, pitching in pool play or even in a quarterfinals. And then this is one of his last starts or something. This is his first start in the World yeah. Baseball Classic. He's thrown only four innings. Yeah. Looked good. Against teams like Italy and Korea, who don't nearly have the offense. Yeah, he went that the United States three does. innings, three hits, one run, uh, which came on a home run uh, against Korea, but punched out three. And then he went one inning in relief against Italy, punched out two scoreless. Yep. So yeah, I mean it's just not a lot. So we'll see. Maybe maybe they're going though. It might be just two innings from him. It might be. We don't they, like Could when be I tell one you, when Could I tell be an you, opener. When I tell Could you, be I Ryan Yarbrough. Nothing. <laughs> I got nothing from that presser. Legit nothing yeah, in yeah. terms of what the pitching plans are. Which is going to be fascinating because it's like, oh shit, here comes Darvish. Oh shit, here comes Otani. Right. If if Imanaga is only going two, and they piece it together, that's where it could get a little a little interesting because I think that's the only way that they can beat the U.S. is by going two innings, two innings, two innings, two innings, and just throwing a bunch of different arms at you with a bunch of different arsenals of guys that they've never seen before. And then yeah, sure they've seen Darvish, sure they've seen Otani. But they haven't seen him in two inning spurts. Yeah, right. That's different. If you start, to your point, if you start a Darvish, if you start an Otani and stretch him out four or five, they'll get to him second yeah. time around. They've done that before. But if you give them a one or two inning spurt, they're going to come right at you with 102 and it'll be a little different. So I'm really interested. This is going to be a, a manager battle here, which we haven't really seen in the WBC. Because, again, it's been like more slugfest, all yeah. that stuff. It's going to be DeRosa versus, geez, i got to get better with the Japan manager. It's Kuriyama. DeRosa yes. versus Koryama here, and I'm excited to see how these two kind of duel it out. I Can I just say I love how Japan got here. Otani started game one, Darvish game two, Sasaki game three, Yamamoto game four. Then you had Otani and Darvish piggyback in the quarter. You had Sasaki and Yamamoto piggyback in the semi, and now you figure it out. The most important thing about winning a World Baseball Classic is getting to the title game. Yes. And like they did a really That is not that is a necessary anything, that is, anything yeah. can happen. Right. And and they did an incredibly effective job at getting to the title game. Um I want to plug Peter's dub club for a minute because I thought it was like a text message like <laughs> here's the play, USA, you know, whatever. And I'll I'll let you give the play. But like I thought it was a simple text that goes out. He writes the Odyssey every morning for you. <laughs> like, this is as, like, that's a New York Times best-selling novel that, <laughs> that he's sending to these people. And if you see the play and you say, well, why? Every why is answered here. So walk us through what you're doing. Yeah, so basically I have a future on Japan. So I gave out um, to all my subscribers on Dub Club. It is still free until opening day. And then come opening day, it's $24.99 a month. You get every play that I make texted to you immediately as long as with live plays If as you well. buy books on a Kindle, like, that's worth it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so 
due to the fact that I have one unit to win three units on Japan, I'm in a good spot, right? Because if I bet on the United States, I won't lose any money if Japan wins. If I bet on the Japan, if I just keep it and the United States wins, then I could lose. But there's a hedging scenario here. But I'm going with Team USA to win this game. Yeah. It's just, I look at these two teams in a winner-take-all matchup, and I say, if both teams are playing at their best who's going to end up winning. And I feel like it's the United States. We talked about this lefty against the United States lineup. We talk about Darvish and Otani, and in two inning spurts, I think that's a fantastic point where they could just look so deadly that nobody could touch them. But at the same time, they are two pitchers that we know. Mike Trout is teammates with Shohei Otani. You know, you Darvish has been on teams with some of these guys too. So there is that familiarity there. And Merrill Kelly, say what you want, but a 3 3 ERA in 200 innings, he is a good pitcher and he is a Look, major league type pitcher. Not to take anything away from the NPB, it's it's the second best league in the world. Merrill Kelly had a what, 3 3? 3 3 7 in 200 innings. He'd have a sub 2 in the he'd have a, he'd be He'd be the Sawamura award winner. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, and and, and that's that just puts things in perspective. Again, they can get to him. They, they can. might. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. But like, it, it's, it's still one of the better pitchers that they will see. Throughout the duration of the year in and duration lives. of their careers, yeah. yeah, until several of those players that will come over, right. followed um, by a rested bullpen on top of it that has looked fantastic. I mean, when Williams and Presley came in against Venezuela, it was night. over. Yes. It was just over because they're too dominant in one inning spurts where they're used to that level. Devin Williams used to come in in the eighth. Presley's used to come in in the ninth. Presley's closing out games in the World Series against a Phillies lineup that is just simply better than Japan. You look at Japan's lineup. And in reality, only one player would make the Team USA lineup, and that is Shohei Otani. Yoshida is great. He's as hot as any hitter in the World Baseball yeah, but Classic. Who's he, who's he starting but over who's Tucker? he starting over? Right. He's not starting Nobody. over Tucker. You look at Murakami. He's not starting over He'd be over in nowhere. AAA right now if he was in Major League Baseball, most likely. You know, you look at uh, Kondo. You look at a Lars Nupar, who's great, but wouldn't be starting on the Lars United Nupar States. Lars Nupar doesn't make this roster. Like, exactly. I, Cedric Mullins is better than Lars The Nupar. only guy yes. that I think maybe other than Otani they could break in is Murakami, but he can't play third that well. I was yeah. actually pretty – I was watching it. The, the third base defense, not But great. he's just so young, too. He's it's not, it's not an indictment on yeah. him. He's, he's, he would be a senior in college right now or right. that age level where a lot of good guys, like, for example, a Curtis Mead. Right, another third base prospect for the Tampa Bay Rays. Curtis Mead might be farther along than Murakami is right now. I don't know about that. Yeah, maybe I'm not. not. Sure, I don't know if Curtis Mead's hitting fifty six in the MPB. Maybe not, because <laughs> that that's that's insane. Like he hit fifty six. Also, speaking to Murakami, hundred eleven miles an hour, four hundred feet on that double. But what's most remarkable? O for three, three Ks, then pops out in foul territory, and I'm thinking like. Obviously, you let this guy hit. He's hit 50. He set the single season home run record in the MPB. Yeah. His batting practice was insane, by the way. We made a joke. He should butt. Yeah. <laughs> and he said in the post game presser, he considered bunting. Yeah. And his manager talked him out of bunting. Talked him out of. Like, that's that, manager of the year award. That's right manager. There. Yeah, right. Talks him out of bunting. But that also shows you like the, the, the mentality for, for this Japanese team. By any means, any way possible. They're going to try to win this game. This guy, who is the best slugger in that league, yeah. was willing to bunt. That would never happen 
in MLB. Ever, ever, ever. No, judge can be get a bunt down. Judge yeah, imagine be, Stanton bunting with runners on first and dude, second. Dude, Judge could be 0 for 20 with 18 Ks. It would not bother. And on that stage, he is not even considering, but he's not even crossing his, yeah, his that's, mind. That's the important part. It doesn't cross his not mind. Not even cross his it's mind. Not even but that Murakami swing, he said he fouled one off. And when he fouled it off, he, he kind of felt a little more recalibrated. And then boom, 111 in the oppo gap. Uh, that was awesome. It also just kind of shows you really how much it means to them. And, and to be able to overcome that 0 for 4 start where he looked lost. Yeah. He looked horrible. It was pretty remarkable. But also you got to get tip the cap to Patrick Sandoval. He had those guys looking extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. I was thinking like, man, Japan doesn't have any more righties. That's the like problem. they don't have any righties, but that, that is the one Achilles heel here. And I'm going to be interested to see how many lefties USA can bring out out of the bullpen. But Sandoval was spectacular. Spectacular. He was working with the changeup and the slider. And that's another thing that I was kind of realizing about this game and that's why I think it's going to be relatively high scoring Merrill Kelly as good as he's been 7-10 OPS against lefties last year at least that's what he surrendered for 605 against righties so this is his worst split and it's his he's never pitched in a playoff game before so this atmosphere could end up being a little bit too much for him. That's why I'm expecting the offenses to really come and play here because Japan has proved it doesn't really matter what righty is thrown. They're going to hit, but the lefties can give them a little bit of fits. To note, Merrill Kelly, while he hasn't thrown in the postseason, has thrown in Asia. He was that's in a good KBO. Point. So, oh, yeah. I, like, that is, that's a point. And, like, obviously the NPB and the KBO are different leagues. The NPB a lot better than the KBO. But the bat-to-ball style, like, so much placed on zone contact, right? So much emphasis placed on getting bat on ball and making things happen is true over there. So this is not, you know, a, a brand new approach that Merrill Kelly is trying to deal with because the American approach to baseball is way more three true outcome than the Japanese approach to baseball. The Japanese approach to baseball is objectively more fun for me. Like I, I love that kind of ball. So we'll see how Merrill Kelly does in there. Um, You've got some fun facts before we give our score. I said Murakami homers off a right-handed reliever to right center. He doubled off a right-handed reliever to left I was center. just about to say, our quote cards, which you can find on our social media pages, especially at Just Baseball Show on Instagram, Aram's quote was, if Roki Sasaki was a prospect, he'd be number one. He comes out averaging 100.5 miles. One, man. <laughs> and, and then he struck out Randy Rosarino, a 102-mile-hour gas. Yeah. He looked as good as humanly possible. And I think a lot of people came away from that game saying, I need him on my team, and I will give him a blank check. And we got to wait, which is crazy. And I'm glad you mentioned that real quick, because before we get to the, the yeah. predictions, I, I want to talk about those two guys. Because Sasaki yes, we have to. was remarkable, right? He threw a lot of splitters, though. And I think that was the scouting report. They said, like, hey... These U.S. guys, they've seen 100. They can hit that. Yeah. That said, the fastball was jumping, but he threw 30 splitters, 29 fastballs, and five sliders. The fastball averaged 100.5 miles per hour. Yeah. He only threw one fastball, I believe, that was below 100 miles per hour. It was 97.4, which must have been like an accident or something. Yeah, yeah. maybe Ma tripped. Maybe it was a splitter he threw harder. I have no idea. <laughs> but, um, and the, <coughs> excuse me, the splitter even averaged 90 miles an hour. I'm surprised he didn't throw more sliders, and that's something that you know maybe we got to watch more Sasaki. See how that breaking ball is. That's something that might be developing. Remember, he's 21. You know, years you old. know what's crazy about Sasaki? Just one, one quick thing. By Stuff Plus, the leaderboard on Fangraphs, his fastball measured as would the 10th best fastball in Major League Baseball. 
today. I wish Savant gave us spin. They didn't give us spin last night. Like, that had to be 2,500. Oh, it seemed like more. And then, honestly, I can see why Yamamoto, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, has been one of the more consistent and and actually the best pitcher in the MPB. Not saying he's better than Sasaki, but he's more polished. He might be. He's more polished. Sasaki's going to come over here and be the better candidate to dominate. But I think when you look at Yamamoto... That's a guy that's going to make a very smooth transition. Yeah. And I remember we, we said that when we did the preview. I was doing the dive into that, the data, and the video. And I'm like, this guy is ready now to just... He's a timing wizard. Yeah. He, he screws your timing. It was a timing he has different, fuck. so many yeah. different looks, so many and different And his breaking pitches. ball is better than Sasaki's yeah. at this point. That was the one thing that I noted and when we did the preview. Y- Yamamoto has better statistics over the past two seasons. He's the Sawamura award winner in the MPB multiple times and he's going for his third straight so right now as we sit here today Roki is the better prospect and projects to be the better pitcher long term but right now as he sit here today I think Yamamoto is the better pitcher which is incredible that's exactly what I said on the call-up though do you remember when we did the the prospect preview on the call-up I said Yamamoto's got a a more well-rounded arsenal at this point and he has better command and um, obviously, Sasaki's 21, so he's got a lot of time yeah, to get yeah. there. And 102 but is 102. 102 is 102. 102. But Yamamoto is a is a guy that you, you could probably plug in for, for 25 starts. He's probably going to be the more consistent, just yeah. steady arm. He feels like Tanaka. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. And, and I love the way he pounded the strike zone. He didn't get that many whiffs. He got seven whiffs, but man... He kept him in the ball game yeah. in relief. He really did. And and for Sasaki, it was really the one pitch to Luis yeah. Arias, and that was it. And that's the thing, man. That's Major League Baseball. Yeah. One pitch. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, welcome to the big leagues. But I mean, Arias, that was that was a hell of a swing. Hell of yeah. a swing. Hell of a swing. All right. Score today. Do you want you want the rest of the fun facts? Oh yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so really cool stuff here. So if Japan wins. They complete the second ever undefeated run in the World Baseball Classic. They will be joining the 2013 Dominican Republic team who went 7-0 in this format. If the United States wins, they'll be the second ever back-to-back World Baseball Classic champs. The last to do so was Team Japan in 2006 and then 2009. The U.S. has met with Japan three different times in this format. Back in 2017, U.S. came out on top 2-1. Back in 2009, Japan won 9-4. And then back in 2006, the United States won 4-3. The USA and Puerto Rico are the only two teams who have a winning record against Japan in this type of format. History is going to be made regardless. Yes. And I think that's what's the coolest part about this game. You have Major League Baseball basically representing and the MPB, which is the second best league, but you have the best player on planet Earth on Team Japan with major league talent scattered across the roster. Right. This could end up being the best game that we see all season long. And that's following the two best games I've ever been to. Yeah. Like, I just cannot wait for this game. It should be high scoring based on the pitching matchups. It's going to be a battle back and forth. The crowd is going to be rowdy. It's in Miami. It just doesn't get better than this. Yeah. All right, score. Score. I'm gonna go eight seven team USA. I think it's a tons of runs are scored. I think both lineups come to play. I think a lot of it is early. Give me the United States winning eight to seven. Okay. I I, I like the over too. I do. I think there's gonna be a lot of runs here. What is it? Nine and a half. It's a ten. Ten. It's up to ten. I grabbed that at nine and a half. I'm a sharp. There we go. Um, I'm going to say, I, I do think the U.S. lineup is just going to wear them down. And I do think if they do go by that, that multi-reliever approach, the more arms that you have coming in, 
the more likelihood that one of those guys is off. And we've seen in the WBC, like, it's early. It's March. It's early. Guys, some guys come in and they're just off. And I think the more guys you bring in, higher chance of, of one of them being off. So if that's their best case scenario, it might be a little tough. I, I think it's going to be 8-5 to five USA. Love it. Okay. I go 7-4 US. Lefty. Paul Goldschmidt, obviously really good against left-handed pitchers. You know who else is really good? Tim Anderson, who has yeah. forced his way into the starting second base role. T.A. looked great. He's looked awesome. T.A. is going to start at second over Jeff McNeil, especially against a lefty starter. First time through the order, Tim Anderson is going to make something happen. I like that. After that, I think the strength of the U.S. I think Trey Turner does have an off game now because he sat for a day like he can't go ballistic like he did I don't even know Venezuela. I think he's seeing a beach ball right now and it almost doesn't matter who gets on the mound he I'm, is he is just so on fire and I'm hoping I'm literally hoping you're wrong because if we see from one to nine because Trey Turner is most likely going to bat ninth yeah. if Trey Turner's firing on, on all cylinders you're talking about Tim Anderson and they have those four righties at the front sprinkled in with all stars throughout yeah it's going to be a juggernaut lineup all the way through. So I, I hope to God you're wrong, but I can see what you're saying. The off day could screw up with them because momentum is certainly on the Japanese side. Yes. You went on a walk-off like that and then you play the next day. I think that's actually a plus for Team Japan. Yes. So I've got 7-4 U.S. Tim Anderson early, and I think Pete Alonso makes something happen late. Can I call my shot on a Murakami home run? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to I wanna I, call my shot on a Paul Goldschmidt home run. All right, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I, I, I think... I, I Goldie, dude, against a lefty, he might hit one like four eighty. It's just his run value against fastballs. Like he's facing a lefty who's fastball dominant. He's the best hitter against lefties on planet Earth, and this guy's gonna throw him a lot of fastballs. Yeah, that's just a recipe yeah. for a launch pad. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, with with Murakami, I just I think he finally found it. I you hope know, so. He hasn't felt good the whole tournament, and and I think that's something that now he gets a righty. Yeah, gets to get away from a lefty. Uh, and a guy who doesn't have crazy strikeout stuff because there is some whiff in his game right now. So a guy like Merrill Kelly, who's not 11 strikeouts per nine, is not the nastiest guy, but relies on contact. That could be a guy that yeah, Murakami I mean, really he, gets he after. He just flicks balls 110. I, I was in awe of of the way he moves in the box, the way he he takes BP, the way he like goes about his business. That guy's going to come to the major leagues and be a problem in a couple years. Absolutely. I'm excited for that for sure. All right, we all have the U.S. to win, right? Yep. So the they lost. It's one of the panels. They lost. And, they <laughs> lost. and the U.S. is 2-1 and one against Japan. Law of averages. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's This is like the panel when you're watching NFL Week. They, yeah. they do all the predictions. It's just USA, And then they USA, post USA. the thing, and then yep. it's like, let's take Japan now. Yeah. Might what? be a good decision. What happened? Oh, yeah. There we go. Um, all right. Every link you need is in the episode description. We're going to do a scheduled off day tomorrow with some travel issues for us but we will back we will be back with a divisional preview on Thursday we're also going to give you uh, the final divisional preview on Saturday Peter and I so it's going to be Arm and Peter on Thursday for the NL East it'll be me and Arm on Friday for the NL Central and then it'll be me and Peter on Saturday for the NL West Ooh. then all of a sudden we've got a uh, Opening day next Thursday, and we've got our uh, our massive awards previews and uh, win total previews coming next week. It's going to be a blast. And with that, thank you, everybody.